this last part of Jesus' teaching, which will take us the next uh, six or eight weeks to get through, starting with Matthew 23, are Jesus preparing his disciples to do life without him physically present and trying to show what it means to be faithful, but at the same time preparing them for the idea that he's coming back and what that's going to mean and to prepare them to, to live expectantly for him coming back. So that's all contained in this part of the Bible. There's one other kind of background we need before we get into Matthew 23, and that is to look at the preceding couple of chapters. You see, starting in verse 21, there's a battle that is brewing. There's this pressure building. Jesus is publicly picking a fight with the religious people. And so we come now to Matthew 23 and uh, he says to the crowds and to his disciples. Now, so it's clear these, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, are all in the crowds, but so are his disciples and so are just general public. So there's a bunch of people there. And he says, the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So be careful to do everything they tell you. Does that sound weird? He's just spent all this time telling them off. And he's saying, be careful to do what they tell you. Why? Because they sit in Moses' seat. What's he saying by that? He's saying, just because they're full of it doesn't mean that sometimes they'll be telling the truth. And the truth is found in the scripture, in the Bible, and to the level they are teaching the truth that for the Jewish people, when he's saying in Moses' seat, the first five books of the Bible, the tradition said, came from Moses. And so he's saying, as they speak the truth, you need to listen to them, even if they themselves are hypocrites. And he's going to, we're going to talk about hypocrisy a fair bit in the coming weeks. That's something that's pretty important for us to hear because we live in a world of cancel culture. I've had numbers of conversations with people because it's been, a, it's been a tragic time in the church over the last really five, ten years, even the last couple of years. Uh, and here, here's some books by people who have been cancelled, <laughs> uh, who have had horrible stories, sad stories where ministries have imploded. So does that mean we should now burn all these books? Well, I think what Jesus is saying is let's not define truth by the truth teller. If someone is telling the truth, even if they are a bit mixed up, even if they're a bit messed up, still need to be able to listen. And people like Bill Hybels and... Uh, to a lesser extent, people like John Ortberg and one of my heroes, who I've been really sad about, Jean Vanier, he's written one of the best books on community. People like, the fact that the work they've done, just because they've made mistakes in their lives, and some of them are serious mistakes, pretty serious mistakes. Well, I think what Jesus is saying here is, you don't write the truth off just because the truth teller is sometimes a bit full of it. And he's going to go on to describe just how full of it they are. Now, what he says is, 
after saying that, listen to him. He says, you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But what does he say next? Don't do what they do. That's also true for these people. <laughs> yeah, look, some of these guys, God used them to communicate truth. But don't act in the way they acted because it's brought damage and destruction. So Jesus, he's giving us an antidote to cancel culture, I think, in this. And what, why don't you do what they do? They don't practice what they preach. For Jesus, what matters is not how clever you are with your words, but to what extent the words reflect what's actually true in who you are. One of my mates, who's the president of the seminary I went to in Canada, Dr David Williams, says, you always make clear what you mean by what you do. You always make clear what you mean by what you do. It's not about getting a better set of answers. It's about letting the answers go down and change our lives. Another way of putting it, Dallas Willard says, we always live up to our beliefs or down to them as the case may be. Nothing else is possible. It's the nature of belief. We live from our beliefs. We need people to teach truth, but ultimately God cares about what you actually believe and how what you believe shapes your life. Getting the right set of ideas will not shape your life. And so I, I love, in Canada when I used to preach, I always used to reach for a word that, to describe this that is uniquely Australian and nobody else in the world gets it's the word fair dinkum. I, I think it's one word. It's, it's hyphenated, definitely. Because it, 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 means the, it means what Jesus is saying. People who practice what they preach. People who are fair dinkum. I love that in Australia, the, the kind of faith that Jesus is calling for is the kind of faith that actually matters in Australia. We're sus, aren't we, of anybody who's full of the right ideas but whose life doesn't match it. I love that. And my guess is the people who had the biggest impact in your life are people who have practiced what they preached. Is that right? What I want to do now is actually take some time to wrestle with that. To, 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 to stop for a minute, hear Jesus' words. These people didn't practice what they preached. Let's get a, see if we can get a picture of people who do. Answer this question. Who are the people in your life who have actually practiced what they preached? Okay, we'll need to um, start reeling in at that point. But isn't it encouraging to see this list of people and knowing that behind every one of these words, there is a story. Behind every one of these words, there is a story. And uh, lovely to see Pete's, Pete Clark's name there, Jan's name there. They're people I'd have up there. And uh, it's encouraging that for some people, parents are up there, I know for others, they're not. Life's complicated, but it's in, behind every one of the... And, and it's, I reckon it's important to give thanks to God for the people in your life who've been fair income, don't you? 
people in your life that have practiced what they preached. Because one of the things I think Jesus is wanting us to hear is in, in this whole discussion is there is a huge danger in focusing on ideas rather than people. There is a huge danger in focusing on ideas rather than people. Jesus says of the Pharisees, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. He's saying, yeah, look, they're teaching you the law, but they're teaching you the law like it's a dead weight. They don't understand what it means for you to take this seriously. And if we are to look at the recent history in the church, I think the truth, whenever we're not at our best, it's where we're fighting over ideas. Do you think that's true? Uh, we're going to chuck up a word cloud from a few weeks ago where we asked you, uh, what are some of the most complicated issues we face? What are, what are some of the most complicated issues we face? And as a church, these are some of the things that we said are some of the most complicated issues we face. And it's interesting, in, in almost all of them, the, the pain comes as we fight over ideas rather than accept the complexity of being a human being. For instance, we talked this week about abortion, which is very topical and was the, the number one thing there. Um, it, it is, it's a, it's a complex issue, but more than being an issue, it's people. And uh, we can take that down now. Thanks, Matt and Kyra. Thanks. Um, I, I think there's a, on both sides of any argument, we've really got to watch when we're fighting for ideas and trying to put loads on other people. It's interesting, the, uh, the Roe versus Wade debate in the States, where many people who would consider themselves pro-life are not there to help the single mums who are in the complexity of raising little kids without income in a health system where it costs millions of dollars if something goes wrong or if your kid gets sick. Uh, and at the same time, there is a, a reality to do with the, the nature of when a person is born and, it's, and life matters. But it's not, can you see, in real life, it's not either or. It's not about black and white. And Jesus is saying, you stupid Pharisees, you're all about black and white. You're putting cumbersome loads on people. You're not even lifting a finger to help them. And then he goes on and speaks against Instagram. And Facebook and TikTok. What he, what he actually says is, everything they do is done for people to see. Everything they're doing is done for likes. Everything is externally focused. And we're living in a culture right now that is largely externally focused. There's been 
research leaked out of the Facebook headquarters about Instagram, about the, the mental health impact of people getting likes or not likes. And they've had to, Instagram and YouTube uh, have changed how that you can respond to things because people were killing themselves on the basis of the feedback they were getting through social media. And let me tell you, if the Pharisees had Instagram, they would be trying hard to be influencers. They really would. For them, it was about the external. And what we've got to watch, it's so tempting, isn't it? Like, well, I've got to watch. For all of us, we've got to watch. We can get our validation from each other, or even from some people we've never met who press like on a picture on Facebook. And Jesus is saying, you're just getting your validation from the wrong place. He's saying of these Pharisees, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide. You might wonder what a phylactery is. Uh, it's a little box that they would attach to themselves with a bit of scripture in them to show how that they would be meditating on scripture, like literally it would be attached to them. Uh, these days, like I've got a little bracelet that my sister gave me for my 50th birthday that has uh, Matthew 6.33 on it. This is as close as we would have to a, a phylactery. Uh, don't think it's quite like that. Uh, but they, it would be uh, an external expression of wanting to keep uh, the, the, the word of God in front of them. Uh, they make them really big so everybody can see and the tassels in their garments long. They love the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats at the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and be called rabbi by others. They want you to like them. They want you to like them. And I think we need to hear the part of us, don't we? That wants other people to like us. <laughs> that wants to get our validation that looks really carefully. We put up a photo on Facebook and wants to know how many people have liked it. But if you're, even if you're not a social media person, they reckon that part of the reason you can't learn people's names quickly is whenever you're meeting people, you're hyper-focused on this part of the face and you're trying to work out whether you're accepted or not. And it's part of being a human being. We, relationships matter to us. But if we get our validation from other people and from our status, then we're in a dangerous kind of place. Jesus said, no, you need to get your validation from one place and one place only. You're not to let yourself get called rabbi because you've got one teacher and you are all brothers. It's beautiful, isn't it? That, and, and this is where I, I mentioned, we've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. There's just a real danger in the Christian church of putting leaders on pedestals. Leaders need to have influence to the degree their life matches their teaching. Leaders need to have influence, but they need not to have pedestals. Because what Jesus is saying here and what truth bears out is that no leader is perfect. No leader is perfect. And we are all brothers and sisters on the journey. We're all part of the same family. There is no expert at life apart from Jesus, is what Jesus is saying. You've got one teacher. 
Don't let anybody else put themselves in that place, he says. And he says, don't call anyone on earth father, because you've got one father. Here, uh, it's actually referring to religious leaders, that one part of the practice was to, to call a religious leader or somebody you respected father, and what you were saying in that is, I am under you. He's saying, no, don't, don't give your life into the hands of another human being. He's saying, watch how you trust other leaders. Don't call them father. You've got one father. He's in heaven. Elsewhere in the Bible, it does say, look, you need to care for and respect and, and listen to your leaders. But here what Jesus is saying is make sure they don't take the place of God. Because if they take the place of God, you've opened the door for spiritual abuse and it's pretty serious. He goes on and he says, you have one father, he's in heaven, nor are you to be called instructors because you've got one instructor, the Messiah. Matthew is built around Jesus' instructions. The book of Matthew is built around Jesus' instructions. He has said, this is how you live your life. It's radical. It asks everything of you. And if you're spending your energy arguing over the kinds of issues we saw in that word cloud, then you're not facing the important questions of what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus. If, you, if all you did was focus on what it means to love God and love your neighbours, don't you think there's enough in that to keep you going? There's enough in that to keep... And that's what he's saying in this whole book. And, and in the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, this is how you do life. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus stands in the middle of history and he says, come to me to find life. Put my words into practice. Don't look to your Facebook friends or your Instagram followers. Don't look to your YouTube influencers or your social media stars. Don't even let your pastor get in the road of me. I am God and I am to be the centre of your life. I'm calling you to follow me, he says, not human beings. And all people who say they are followers of Jesus are part of the same family on the same journey and our task is to encourage each other as if to bring it home he says the greatest among you aren't going to be the Instagram influencers aren't going to be the ones who look good on a stage the greatest among you are the people who are going to quietly serve the ones who will turn up first leave last and clean the toilets. The greatest among you will be your servant.
For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Greatness in the Christian church is not to be measured with how cleverly you are able to speak or how many Facebook followers you have. It's to be measured whether you practice what you preach, whether you're ready to serve, whether you're ready to take up your cross and do life as a follower of Jesus not having Jesus as a little mascot to keep everybody happy. This is the start of this section of teaching as Jesus prepares his disciples for him to clear out and prepares them for the idea he's coming back. But he's saying this is the stuff that's important and he's going to spend some time contrasting what they're to be about with what the teachers of the law and people who think they're religious are about. And as we do, it can, as, we, as we hear his words in the coming weeks, it can be really tempting to think, well, aren't those relig religious people bad? I, I want to encourage you, me, all of us to be open to Jesus' words and to be ready to see the Pharisee in us to see the religious person in us and to be open to the fact that we're, still got, we're on a journey together. Don't you, we've still got a way to go so we are actually loving God and loving our neighbour with our whole hearts. Don't you think that's true? It's okay, but we're on that journey together and the last thing the church needs to be is a place where we play pretend games. Jesus has come so that we can have life. And he's inviting us into life that comes no other way. Let's pray.